on 89.9 The Light. You're in conversation with Clayton and a lady who works for Wycliffe Bible Translators and specifically is assigned at the moment uh, to the Australian Society for Indigenous Languages. We're going to talk a bit more about that. Joins me, it's Kathy Dad. How are you, Kathy? Yeah, I'm great, thank you. It's wonderful to have a chat to you. Now, firstly, some people might go, I didn't even know there was any translation work happening here in Australia. Um, what languages are you translating uh, the Bible into? Myself, I'm mainly working on a translation that's called the Plain English Version. So it's actually an English translation of the Bible, but designed specifically for people who speak Indigenous languages. But our organisation is also working with several other languages translating the Bible um, with local Aboriginal people. Yeah. Uh, and where are you based out yourself, Cathy? I'm based in Darwin, and we just do trips to remote communities, mainly in the top end. Yeah. There has been a, a history of work uh, through Wycliffe and various others uh, over many, many years now working with different in Indigenous languages within Australia as well. I'm correct in saying that, aren't I? Yeah, that's right. And we have actually been working in the Northern Territory for over 60 years as well. Yeah, which is absolutely wonderful. Um, take us through a little bit of your journey first, Cathy. How did you actually come to say, you know what, I... Here I am uh, doing translation work, creating a, a plain English version of, of the Bible in this regards. And I, I want to explore a bit more what you mean by plain English in a moment. But how did you find yourself actually here? What was the journey for you? Well, I didn't grow up in a church or going to Sunday school or anything like that. But I learned about God through classes at the local school. And at first I was very proud never to have been to church. I thought it was boring and just for old people. But... Um, never having been, I guess I didn't have much to base that on. And in high school, I started to think about what the um, strangely young church volunteers at the school were saying and thought, if this is really true, if God really sent his son to die for us, then that's probably the most important thing in the entire universe. Mm -hmm. And I should probably actually do something about it. So I started going to my local church and joined a Bible study. And as I read the prophecies about Jesus, I was more and more convinced that the gospel has to be true and that everyone should have the opportunity to hear or read the Bible um, in a language that they can access and be able to make that decision for themselves. At first, I just knew that I needed to be needed to believe in Jesus to be saved, but as I read the Bible, I was hesitantly convicted that God wants us to serve him. So um, eventually, I started hearing that there are still Aboriginal languages being spoken in Australia. Growing up in Sydney, I actually didn't even know that. Um, so then to find out that they're being spoken and that only one Aboriginal language has the whole Bible translated so far um, was a bit of a shock. Mm. I'd studied linguistics at university, but to be honest, I finished and thought that was interesting, but useless. <laughs> um, because I only knew that you could be an academic um, through linguistics and that didn't really interest me. Um, I had heard of Bible translation, but it sounded like a really long commitment and I wasn't ready for that. Um, but eventually God worked in my heart and showed me that it was something that I could be involved into. And so then you just sort of step by step. And how long ago was that that you actually ended up getting involved? Um, so it was about eight years ago that I decided to pursue Bible translation and then I did four years of training. Wonderful. Um, and uh, and then ever since been actually involved in it. Now, you, you did mention that you're working on the plain English 
version of the Bible. So what's the difference between an English version of the Bible and the plain English version? So the plain English version, it tries to follow standard grammatical rules, but in the vocabulary and grammar that people who speak Aboriginal Australian languages can easily understand, so terms that are familiar to them. So for example, Aboriginal languages don't tend to have passive sentences where you don't say who's doing an action. So in a standard English translation, it might say, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. But it's not saying who's saving you. So that doesn't work in Aboriginal languages. And so that doesn't work when people learn English as a second or probably fifth language. So in the plain English version, we'll have believe in Jesus, our leader, our leader, and God will save you. Mm. And Aboriginal languages also don't have many abstract nouns like encouragement, baptism, suffering, perseverance, where we talk about actions as if they're things. So say in Romans 5.3, where a standard English translation might say, we know that suffering produces perseverance. The plain English version will have, we know that God lets us get trouble to make us strong so that we will learn how to keep on believing, even if we have problems. It seems like a fantastic version for a whole host of people, I would say, as well, as you, you're explaining it, it, that, uh, it does make much more sense in that plain English, but uh, obviously with that very specific uh, idea of somebody who is, uh, as you mentioned, using English as potentially a second, third, fourth, or fifth language to really understand that. Um, how far into this uh, translation of the plain English version are there? Because, you know, I know that sometimes uh, translating a, a version of the Bible can take years, possibly even decades. So how, how far are you in, Kathy? Definitely going to take decades. So the project started 15 years ago when a man named Dave Glasgow, um, who had been working in a remote community here, found that people just weren't understanding the standard English Bibles that they were using. And not everyone had the translation in their own language yet. Um, so he was working on it for the last 15 years and I joined four years ago. And there were some other people who've been involved briefly over that time. And so far we've got 70% of the New Testament translated and a small bit of the Old Testament. Um, so, yeah, probably another 60 years to go. Yeah. <laughs> what does it feel like to face a task like that where you obviously, you're very passionate about your faith, you're passionate about the work that you are doing. And so, you know, every verse you bit, every part of the, the, the Bible you translate, I know is another another joyous moment, but sort of to know that it could be, you know, literally decades more. Uh, how do you sort of frame that in your mind as you're going about your work? Yeah, it can be pretty daunting. Um, it's encouraging when people say, oh, this is such a great translation, it's perfect for our context, um, but when will the New Testament be ready? Mm-hmm. So we know that people are loving it, but that they want more. And um, part of what I'm spending time on is trying to get more workers so that we can do it a little bit faster. Um, but it's really encouraging just hearing about each um, bit of the Bible that's being used and read and how people are finding it easier to access God's Word. Um, so, yeah, I just got to remind myself that each bit is worth it. Yeah, exactly. Um, you talk about, you know, bringing more workers on. Do you need somebody who has like a linguistics degree to actually come and do that? Or is it actually people who have, you know, perhaps got a certain level of academic understanding and, and competency uh, can be trained into it? Uh, what sort of people do you look for in that regard? Yeah, I mean, anyone who's keen can be trained. <laughs> um so I did a Bachelor of Arts in Linguistics at university, but 
in those three years, I did as many linguistic subjects as I did in one year with Wycliffe. So if someone's interested in doing Bible translation long-term, full-time, then we recommend the one-year course with Wycliffe Bible Translators or SILA in um, Kangaroo Ground, Victoria. Yeah, not too far um, from the offices here. That's right. Yeah, great. <laughs> and you do need some exegetical training um, going to Bible college. So most of the work in reality is trying to figure out what the original meant so that we can um, figure out a way of saying that in a way that's clear and accurate. Yeah, I love it. So, Kathy, you're also, um, and this is a question without notice, so if you're not sure of the answer, that's perfectly fine, but uh, you're working alongside other translations of um, versions for Indigenous language here in uh, Australia. Do you know totally how many uh, different translations are being worked on at the moment? It's a tricky question because projects are difficult to quantify. Um, Is the question about languages that need scripture or are wanting scripture? Um, That would be probably over 30 languages that are still being spoken and where we have speakers of those languages saying that they would like translation in their language um, or languages that we currently have people working in. We've only got maybe six people working in specific languages at the moment, plus there's some Bible Society and people from other organisations working in languages. Um, But those that are ongoing and regular is not that many and then we also have maybe nine languages who have been represented at workshops where they just work on one passage um, at a workshop and then um, won't do anything until the next workshop yeah yeah and and it's interesting because maybe somebody who's listening is thinking well what, what does it matter just teach somebody a different language and then it's way easier than um, you know, having it try and translate an entire Bible into that language. I, I heard a, a fascinating story, Kathy, and I'll, I'll just see if you uh, relate to this in terms of your experiences, but uh, talked about the fact that when people actually uh, will, would pray to God, sort of in their mind, in, in their souls, in, in where it is, um, the majority of people who have multi-languages would pray in their heart language first. Um, that's how they would do that. That's sort of the connection that they would have with God in their being. And it was a really fascinating connection that this person made that I was listening to, which is about this is why it's so important to have translations in uh, in the first language for people because um, that is the, the language that they were created with and how God can connect to them in that way. Have you found that sort of the same experience with uh, various uh, people who have been working in the translation fields and those you've been talking to? Yeah, absolutely. I mean... It's multifaceted. So on the one hand, people need to be able to understand it. And so that's partly what the plain English version is trying to do, is be a bridge for people who don't have a translation yet in their own language, provide it in something that they will at least understand. And that will also hopefully help people to translate into their own languages. But ideally, people are going to understand most clearly in a language that they speak regularly. And many of these people speak English only as a foreign language, not really even as a second language. Um, And then there's the aspect of language identity. So language identity in Indigenous Australian communities is really strong. People will identify with their language, which is their father's language, which is his father's language. Even if they don't use that language every day, they might actually speak a different Aboriginal language regularly or perhaps English if they live in an urban area, but their identity language is still something that speaks to their heart. So we've had people who speak languages um, or who identify with languages um, 
that are not spoken regularly anymore, but hearing the scriptures in those languages still helps them connect to God so much more strongly and know that God cares for them and their people. Kathy, one of the things I always love is finding out some of the stories of the impact of the work that's happening. Do you, do you have any stories of those who might have now read the, some parts of the, the plain English version and the reaction? So we've always had really positive feedback about people saying that they find it so much easier to read. A friend who works in Kununurra said that she read some with an Aboriginal co-worker who really loved it and said, look at my arm, the hairs are standing up. Oh. Or a man in Epinara was reading it with an Aboriginal man um, looking at the book of Mark and the man that he was reading it with hasn't done much school but was able to read it pretty easily. Um, the ministry worker read the first part of the story and then the Aboriginal man kept on reading, which is not very common when people are reading English. Um, but this man was able to read two chapters all on his own, which just amazed the ministry worker. That's wonderful. It's wonderful to get any time we can get this, uh, the Bible, which we know is so powerful, into to people's hands where they can read it for themselves and done it for themselves. So, so, uh, so special. You, you must just love hearing those sorts of stories, Kathy. Yeah, it's really encouraging. We've even had people in Sydney say, oh, that's just how I talk. Or people who are tertiary educated say that they listen to the recordings and that hearing it in Australian or in their heart accent has had a much bigger impact than they ever expected. It's wonderful. I love that uh, the work that is happening. Well, Kathy, we want to just say thank you for that work that you're doing. We we hope that maybe there will be more and more people joining you. Uh, if somebody is even listening right now and thinking, you know what? I'm, uh, I am pretty motivated. Something's going on uh, inside here that maybe I should be involved with what Kathy is, uh, is talking about and get involved in helping translation. Um, how would they actually go about it? What, what's the first step? Is it just contacting Wycliffe? Is that the best way? Yep, that's the best way. Contact Wycliffe Bible Translators. Or you can probably find me on Google, Kathy Dad. D-A-D-D. There you go. Wonderful. So Wycliffe, uh, the best way to do that is... Uh, W-Y-C-L-I-F-E.org.au, Wycliffe.org.au. Kathy, it's been wonderful having a chat to you. Thank you for the work you're doing and just for taking us through and a bit more of an understanding of of what that is as well. God bless you. Thank you very much. Kathy, Dad, my guest here on 89.9 The Light.